0: How are you doing? This is Mike for Working Class Thoughts. Uh, so today's episode is going to be on Stanley Tookie Williams, which was uh, the founder of the Streets Gang in Los Angeles, California. Now, Stanley was, ac- or was actually born December 29, 1953. However, it was not in California. It was in Shreveport, Louisiana. Now, his mother was only 17 years old at the time of his birth. Um, and his mother actually moved to New Orleans to be with uh, Tookie's father. However, he left when uh, Tookie was only around a, year's, a year old. It was 1959 that Stanley and his mother moved to South Central Los Angeles, California. So naturally, his mother had to work a lot of different uh, jobs. The result was Stanley was left alone. And he basically came and went however he wanted to, whenever he pleased to. He would often get into trouble on the streets. He would later go on to say that he would be hanging around abandoned houses and vacant street lots. And then in these places, he would often watch adults get extremely drunk and use different drugs and actually run illegal dog fights. Now, he said when the adults were done with the dogs, they would often make the children fight one another and forced them to engage in fights. Now, he said that he started fighting regularly, and the adults would actually split the profits with him. So, Stanley stated that he was often bullied by kids and adults alike all over uh, Los Angeles, or South Central Los Angeles. Now, so by 12 years old, he began carrying a knife. Now, Stanley's reasoning was because he got bullied, and he needed something in order to protect himself. Now, however, it was a fact that by the time that Stanley was a teenager, all over South Central Los Angeles, he was known as a vicious street fighter. So, get this. He, he was actually expelled by George Washington Preparatory School, and then he was later blacklisted by other high schools across South Central for uh, illegally fighting. So he eventually got locked up numerous times in actually uh, Central Juvenile Hall. So while Stanley Tookie Williams, uh, so why is it, so why is Stanley Tookie Williams worth hearing about? That's a question that you often get asked. Well, you're about to find out. However, to understand why, you have to know the history of the 1960s. So in the late 1960s, uh, juvenile crime increased across South Central Los Angeles. It really, it actually increased like all over. But South Central is where this story is actually taking place. So, as other as older gangs had disbanded as part of the Black Power movement, and they basically joined forces with different Black Power movements, and most notably, uh, most notably as part of the Black Panthers Party. Now, initially, it was formed to protect black people from police brutality and corruption in uh, the LAPD. So to fill the wide gaps of the old gangs leaving um, uh, to leaving, uh, violent youth gangs actually began forming. Now, Stanley actually despised as he thought that they were predatory. However, because of his vicious nature and his willingness to fight uh, older youths, he was respected across many gangsters across the whole West Side. Now, keep in mind that these gangs were small-time neighborhood cliques with no leadership really whatsoever. Now, at the age of 15, Stanley was invited to the West Side clique. Now, after he became homies with Donald Dark, Doc Archie, So, here is what really actually happened. One of the members was actually talking shit about his mother, and Stanley beat him pretty brutally and badly. Now, he then became their unofficial leader. Now, as his violent reputation grew across all of South Central Los Angeles, so it was 1969 at this point, and Stanley was only 16 years old. Now, he was arrested in Eaglewood for a car theft, and he was sent to the Los Paginas Juvenile Hall in Downey. So, while he was actually serving time there, he was introduced to Olympic weightlifting. Now, by the gym coach. Now, it would actually lead him to having a massive in, uh, interest in bodybuilding. So in 1971, Stanley was 17 years old, and he was actually much bigger and stronger when he was released. He actually claimed that he's said to be the leader of uh, the – oh, sorry, let me back up. So he was only bigger and stronger. Now, Stanley actually claims that the review board asked him what his plans are whenever he was to be released, and Stanley said that he claimed to them he wanted to be uh, the leader of the biggest gang in the whole world. Now, so pay close attention to the following. Stanley claims that he was approached by Raymond Washington. Now, he said that he heard about his size and his willingness to fight members of larger street gangs, such as the L.A. Brems and the Chain Gang. Now, Stanley said that he dressed similar as well with blue denim and starched Levi jeans. So, Washington was from South Central East Side, where he was uh, actually well-known, just like Stanley was. Now, he, they decided together, why don't they use their influence and their power uh, that they actually already had to form their own organizations, to form a larger gang that they decided will be called the Crips, which actually stood co- uh, for Community Resolve and Progress. So, Stanley said that the purpose was to eliminate all street gangs to create a bull force neighborhood watch in South Central. So, he wanted to get rid of the smaller gangs and to clean up South Central in his own way. Now, he said that he was wrong, that he actually morphed, that they morphed into the monster that he was actually trying to take out. Now, Stanley also says that he founded the Crips not to eliminate other gangs, but to create a force powerful enough to protect uh, local black people from racism, corruption, and police brutality. So basically what Stanley did was he took on what the Black Panthers said they were doing and said that's what the Crips were doing, as far as I see it. That's literally what he did because the uh, Black Panthers said that's exactly the same thing that they were doing. So when Stanley formed the Crips with Washington, they said that they were doing the exact same thing. So at the start, there was only three Crips sets. Now, Washington East Sides, which were uh, later East Coast Crips, and Washington was the leader of them. Now, West Side Crips, Stanley was the leader of, which later was to be known as the Rolling Sixties Neighborhood Crips. Now the Compton Crips was ran by Mac Thomas. Washington and tookie began an aggressive, violent recruitment campaign throughout the black ghettos of Los Angeles. The fact that they actually agreed to fight one of the neighborhood gang leaders has resulted in agreeing agreeing to that gang. Uh, sorry, resulted in that gang agreeing to join that uh, to join the Crips. So back in the day, they would just fight the leader of that little uh, the little gang. They'll say, "I want to fight your leader." And once they once they beat them, then that gang would actually join the Crips and become a different Crip set, and that's how they actually grew. So, since they were actually a small group, they were actually called Sets. Now, although they quickly became the largest gang in South Central, by numbers and territory alike, numerous gangs still refused to join. Now, losing their uh, uh, to join, and in their eyes, losing their independence, so they decided to band together and form the Bloods. Now, once the L.A., um, once the L.A. Brims and the Chain Gang actually joined the Bloods, the Bloods became known as the Brims and the Inglewood Family Bloods and the Blood OG Family. So Stanley, Stanley Tookie uh, Williams' violent acts became so legendary that he was actually feared by both criminals and residents of South Central. Now... Uh, South Central, Watts, Englewood, and Compton alike. Now, he was arrested and charged and to be let go due to the lack of evidence and witnesses not willing to testify. Now, very soon after the foundation of the Crips was, uh, you know, formed, leaders were arrested and killed. Now, Stanley was um, uh, considered the complete leader among all sets of Crips. Now, Raymond Washington was actually arrested in 1974 for second-degree robbery, and he actually served five years in Tracy. Now, soon after, he was killed. February 23rd, 1973, uh, Lerdus Buda Morrow was shot dead after a petty argument. Matt Thomas was killed under weird circumstances in the mid-1970s, and Stanley began living a double, a double life and what that means is he actually worked as a youth counselor in Compton now while being the leader of the Crips at the very same time he also studied sociology at Compton Community College now in his free time he was spent actually participating in numerous violent attacks against the Bloods now Stanley was chilling on a uh, was actually hanging out on his front porch of his house in Compton in 1976 He was actually shot and wounded. The blood shot him while he let his dog out for the evening. While he was attempting to avoid getting hit, he dove to the ground on his porch, getting hit in his legs instead. He was told that he would never be able to walk again. However, after nearly a year-long process of rehabilitation and intense workout routines, he did regain his ability to walk. Now, again, however, after nearly a year-long process of rehabilitation and intense therapy, he actually uh, gained... Hold on a second. However, after the shooting, Stanley redeveloped a substance abuse problem. He began smoking PCP, and he began using drugs um, when he was around 12 years old. He became friends with the pimp... Who, as a payment for running errands for him, he would give him uh, Quaaludes, barbiturates, and a.k.a. Red Devils, or uh, marijuana. Now, Stanley said he guessed when his grandma died in 1976. He actually lost his job in 1977. And after being accused of being in a botched robbery, with two youths that, uh, two youths did and claimed, uh, Stanley supervised. When he tried to complete in um, an amateur, oh yeah, he competed in an amateur bodybuilding championship, and he was actually denied for being a rumored gang leader. He said that he began to spiral into drug use after all of that. Now, his gangster lifestyle eventually did take a toll on him. He did a brief stay in a psychiatric ward, in fact, um, of a hospital. Now, after he experienced a bad trip on PCP, now he, he funded his uh, PCP use by intimidation and actually robbing other drug dealers. He said his preferred method was robbing other drug dealers all across South Central Los Angeles. 1979, that Stanley was convicted of four counts of murder. He was committed in two separate. Um, he was uh, convicted in two separate um, incidents. Stanley always maintained his innocence, although official court reviews show there is no reason uh, to grant a retrial. stated that Stanley met a man named Daryl, uh, Daryl late on Tuesday evening. So now we're going to actually get into the actual court case. So on, um, he met Daryl on late Tuesday evening, February 28th, 1979. So Stanley was was introduced, um, introduced Daryl to Alfred Blackie Coward, um, and Bernard Whitey Truman, Daryl drove a brown station wagon, and Bernard uh, Whitey, wait, wait, what, what the? Okay, sorry about that. I lost track of what I was saying here. So, once so he introduced him to alfred coward and bernard whitey truman so daryl actually drove a brown station wagon and he accompanied tookie and coward to the home of james garrett now stanley often stayed and um kept items at garrett's house that this I actually found interesting so basically what stanley was doing was staying from house to house and each house he would actually keep different items at and that's what I kind of gained from that. So the guy, and you're going to see what I'm saying here in a little bit. So including his 12-gauge shotgun, after 15 minutes, Stanley returned with his shotgun. They drove to the home of Tony Sins in Panoma, California. Now, this is where they decided to actually plan and to attain money through robbery. So, after that, they went to pick up everyone, and they retrieved a twenty-two caliber gun. Now, Daryl and Tookie drove the station wagon. Coward and Sims went into a separate vehicle. Now, while they went on the actual freeway, the first crime actually happened at a stop-and-go supermarket with Daryl and Sims at... Stanley's command. They said they began robbing it. Now Darrow was carrying a 22 caliber pistol, and Stanley had a rifle and a, and, um, a additional pistol in the trunk of the car. Now, along with two semi-automatic handguns, like I was just saying, the clerk at the stop and go, Garcia, just finished mopping, and he said that he saw a station wagon, four men enter the store. Uh, they went down an aisle. The other approached Garcia and asked for a cigarette. You know, back in the day, they would actually sell cigarettes, like, you know, for 50 cents or 25 cents, just like one single. So that's what he was doing. He said three to four minutes later, they actually left uh, carrying out the, uh, they actually left without carrying out the plan. Something spooked them. So the second crime actually happened at the Seven Eleven. Located at 10437 Witteter Boulevard in uh, Witteter. So the store clerk was 26-year-old Albert Lewis Owens. And he was sweeping the parking lot at 7.42 p.m. when Daryl and Sims entered the store. Now Owens put the broom and dustpan on the hood of his car and entered the store. Now he was followed by Stanley Williams and Howard. Or, and Coward. Darryl Sims walked to the counter area to take the money from the register. Stanley walked behind um, Owens. He pulled out the shotgun from his jacket. He told Owens to shut the fuck up and keep walking. While pointing the shotgun at Owens, at Owens' back at the same time, Stanley directed him to the back of the storage room where he commanded that he laid on the floor. Coward stated that he next heard the sound of a round being chambered into the shotgun. Then he heard a loud shot in glass and glass breaking, followed by two more shots. Stanley shot at a security monitor and then he killed Owens, shooting him twice in the back at point blank range. The third crime happened occurred at the Brookhaven Motel. At 10411 South Vermont Avenue in South Central Los Angeles, California. It was ran by 76 year old Yin uh, Yi Yang and his wife, 63 year old Tai Si Cha Si Yang, their daughter, 43 year old Yu Chin Yang Lin, and their son, Robert. The Yangs immigrated from Taiwan. According to the prosecutors, at around 5 a.m. March 11, 1979, Stanley entered the motel lobby and then broke down the door that led to the private office. Shortly after, a loud female scream happened, followed by gunshots. Robert entered the motel office and found his mother, his sister, and his father had all been shot, and the register was completely empty. Forensics testified Yin uh, Yi Yang had two close shotgun wounds. Uh, tai Shi also received two close uh, range wounds. Yu Qin Yang Lin was shot on the upper left face area at very close range. Now, witnesses stated that Stanley called the victims Buddha heads on the way out laughing. Um, Stanley was convicted in 1981 of all four murders with aggravated circumstances of each count of felony murder robbery as well as multiple murder at the Brookhaven Motel. The jury also convicted him of robbery in both cases and found that he was personally using the firearm. In the commission of a crime. The jury found him guilty and sentenced him to death. From the beginning of the sentence, Stanley maintained that he was innocent and regarded the fur murders, the very four murders. He alleged the prosecutional uh, misconduct, exclusion of exculpatory evidence, ineffective counsel, biased jury selection and misuse of jailhouse and government informants. Stanley also stated that the police found not a share of tangible evidence, no fingerprints, no crime scenes, or no bloody uh, boot prints. He said that they did not match his boots or the witnesses. Even the shotgun shells that, that was found at the crime scene did not match Stanley's gun. Now, no second examiner was able to testify or be verified his fingerprints plus the uh, defense claim that the expert's mythology was a junk science at the very best stanley's gun was found at the home of a couple with who he has stayed with occasionally according to the da the husband was undergoing sentencing for receiving stolen property and was tried for extortion Stanley's lawyers have claimed that the DA squashed a murder investigation in exchange for his testimony. Uh, critics claim that although he received, he renounced gangs and Stanley apologized for his role in co-founding the Crips. Stanley continued to associate with the Crips in prison. LAPD spokesperson has gone on a record stating that there is no evidence that Showing that he is still involved with the Crips in, the, in a leadership role. Since opponents have stated that he receives a lot of money from outside the prison, uh, Stanley uh, legal team and uh, hold on legal team and its peoples with appreciated who appreciate Stanley's work, sent him money for uh, for his commissary. It is a fact that three black people were removed from the initial from serving on the jury initially. Stanley's attorney stated that he was convicted by a jury with no African Americans whatsoever. There was one uh, one Latino, one Filipino, and two Caucasians or ten Caucasians. It was proven, however, that jury number twelve. William James Mularkin was actually black, although he appeared as right. They also maintain that the trial record shows that none of the attorneys and none of the prosecutors had additional evidence. In a November two thousand and five petition for clemency, according to the clemency petition, his closing arguments, uh, prosecuting D.A. Robert Martin described uh, Stanley as a Bengal tiger in in a zoo. He said that the jury needs to imagine him in his natural habitat, which he was likely going into the black country, into the uh, hinterlands. Now, this was a quote by the prosecuting attorney. In a radio interview, however, Martin claims that the analogy that he used was not meant to be racial. Instead, it was a metaphor to the fact that Stanley appeared in court dressed in a business attire, much like an animal in a zoo appears to be more docile than he would be in his wild habitat. In the Court of appeal summary of the case, Stanley stated that various jury misconstructed as a threat a question that was asked by the defense counsel at at the close of the guilty plea. The trial record shows that after the jury's return, the guilty verdicts, Stanley said that "the son of bitches" in a very, "those son of a bitches," in a very loud voice. Now Stanley became inmate number CDC number C two nine three zero zero at San Quentin Prison in Northern California. Now, he spent six years in solitary confinement in the late 1980s for multiple assaults against different prison guards and fellow inmates alike. Now, Stanley appealed uh, appealed his conviction in the state court, which he piled a, filed a petition in the federal court for a habeas corpus relief. Now, the state court affirmed the uh, conviction. The lower federal court, however, denied the Heavis Corpus petition. So in 2001, the United States courts for the Ninth Circuit heard that Stanley's appeal from the lower federal court and the appeals court denied Stanley's appeal in 2002. They also noted that in federal court was not his only forum for relief, that he would actually be granted clemency from the governor of California. So in the late 2005, in a campaign, he began to urge Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger to grant clemency to Stanley Tookie Williams to consider uh, of his work as an anti-gang activist, with thousands of people signing um, online petitions and calling for the governor to commute the death sentence. Now, early in 2005, Stanley's attorneys filed his formal petition for executive clemency as well as a motion to get new evidence. Now, California opposed this petition through um, through the office of the Los Angeles County DA, um, who alongside the LAPD and other law enforcement different groups disputed it, that uh, Stanley had actually reformed. They stated that evidence of the supports that Stanley's refuses to inform of other gang members or the tactics, or the communication tactics of uh, different gang members. Stanley flat out said, no, absolutely not, I ain't doing it. And um, the reason being is Stanley said, I ain't no fucking snitch. So December 8th of 2005, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger held a clemency hearing uh, for one hour in a closed-door meeting. Now, there was a crowd consisting of supporters for Stanley uh, Tookie-Williams, and proponents of the capital uh, punishments, California's capital punishments, congregated outside the California State Capitol in Sacramento, California. Now, I want to say something real quick. Interesting enough, I was there whenever that happened. I, I actually remembered um, going down the street and seeing all the protesters um, outside of the, pro, uh, the building whatever that was actually going on. I just had to throw that out there real quick. So, while the um while the clemency petition was pending before the governor, took, uh, Stanley, also filed further appeals in the courts. On November 30th, 2005, that California Supreme Court, in 4-3 to decision, refused to reopen Stanley's case. So, on December 11th, 2005, the California Supreme Court denied stanley's request for a state of execution supporters for stanley made another plea deal to the governor this uh, for a state of execution also during the same period of time the media the community organized and related to the victims were speaking out so mid of november 2005 uh, talk show host John and Ken show on Clear Channel's KFC radio in Los Angeles started a Stanley must-die war on their daily show until the execution of Stanley was to take place. In the hour, they would interview advocates of both sides of the issue and express their support for appending the execution. It's going to get real interesting here in a minute, y'all. anti-death penalty and civil rights group around the century organized activities and campaigns to stop the execution and including CTFBP in the NAACP and the ANSWER and others. Celebrities also joined in stopping the execution It uh, Snoop Dogg, Jamie Foxx, as well as inmates across the whole country, <coughs> including Tony Ford. Over 175,000 Californians signed the petition. December 8th of 2005, Laura Owens, the stepmother of Albert Owens, made a statement expressing her opinion. Stanley is the same cold-blooded killer that he always was, then and he would be now, if he was let free. Owens, two daughters who are 8 and 5, also opposed the clemency. They recall being shocked that Stanley was actually no, uh, nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. There is so much in this case. So, who wants to know the results of the clemency? December 12, 2005, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger denied the clemency of Tookie Williams. He said, and I quote for the following, The possible irregular uh, irregularities of Stanley Williams' trials have been thoroughly and carefully reviewed by the courts and there is no reason to disturb the judicial decisions that uphold the uh, jury delusion or jury decision. Sorry. So fact two. The base of his request for clemency is the personal redemption for Tookie as, exper- as experience and the positive impact of the message he sends. Fact two or three. The evidence demonstrated uh, of Stanley is guilty of these murders and strong and compelling. There is no reason to second-guess the jury decision of guilty or raise doubts of his initial sentencing. Number four. Williams has, uh, or Stanley has written books and instruct readers to avoid the gang lifestyle and stay out of prison. It is hard to access the effect of such efforts by him In concrete terms, it leads us to wonder what the efficiency of Stanley Tookie Williams' message really was. The dedication of Stanley's book, Life in Prison, casts significant doubt um, on his personal redemption. I believe it shows Stanley is not reformed, as well as he still sees violence and lawlessness, no laws, as a legitimate means to address uh, society's problems. So, number six, is uh, Stanley's redemption complete and sincere, or is it just a hollow promise? Stanley claims he is innocent. He will not and should not apologize or otherwise alone for the murder. Of the four victims, without him apologizing and atonement for the brutal murders, he has not truly repented. So, before I go into the death, real quick, because I might run out of time on my one platform. But hold on. So let me get this straight. So, his last reasoning is: I will not grant this clemency because I do not believe that he is fully repented because he will not apologize for the murder of the four victims. Okay, you got to understand something. He has been saying that he's innocent this whole time. So, if all of a sudden, out of the blue, he was to go, I'm sorry for killing these four people, then right there they could go, well, now you admitted that you killed these four people. That is a catch-22 quote. That's why I did not like that. That's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. So, uh, we're about to get into the last part of this. So, we're going to go into his death. December 13, 2005, after exhausting all forms of appeal, uh, Stanley was executed by lethal injection at San Quentin State Prison. There is thousands of protesters outside, most of whom was seeking uh, Stanley's clemency. He was the 12th person to be executed by the state of California. uh, Reporters said that he made it so different uh, was the amount of support in the room, that he was getting. That's what the reporter said whenever he was in the room, witnessing the death. The supporters is what shocked him, the amount of them. People were giving black power hand gestures, As his final words was, the war with me is over, I battle my dreams, and I won. Teach them how to avoid our destructive force steps, and teach them to strive. Get ready. For a better education, teach them to promote peace and teach them to focus on rebuilding the neighborhoods that you others and I have helped to destroy. That was a quote as what Stanley Tookie Williams' last words actually was. So, you got to ask yourself a couple things. And this is how I see it. Did Stanley Tookie Williams actually kill these people? Or is it what Stanley said it was, that some local younger kids that were a member of the Crip sets, had, he was, you know, either was there or wasn't there, whatever, but is trying to pawn it off, it's, it was his idea, and it, it, he was the one that did it. Um, is it just younger gang members that actually said that he's the one that did it, he's the one that told us to do it, or was it actually, did he participate and actually did it? Because Stanley, Tookie, Williams have always stated that I wasn't there and I didn't tell him to do it, that it was just these guys saying that Stanley was the one that told us to do it. Tookie was the one that told us to do it. It wasn't us. Tookie made us go do it. So he was convicted of that. You know what I mean? Because there was so much going against him. But yet so much not. As you heard in the court case, there's a lot of fuck-ups in this court case. you got to be honest, there is. There's a lot of mess-ups in the court case, but yet he was still convicted. And at the very end of his life, yet still claiming to be innocent, the governor gives him an option to say, either admit that you're sorry for killing these people, or I won't grant you clemency. So basically, he's going to make him be guilty of these crimes, even still, after all this time, to the very end, the state of California was going to make him be guilty, whether he did it or not. So I'm not going to sit here and cast judgment saying that he did or not. Uh, I will state that uh, I'm going to try to include a lot of pictures and information in this episode. Trust me. Um, and the reasoning for that is cause there's so much to it because you hear how they said that the shotgun shells actually did not match the, um, uh, did not match, uh, Stanley Tookie Williams shotgun. So it's almost like they grabbed the shotgun shells. some some random shotgun shells that was used and brought them in and said, these are them. But when the prosecutor, uh, the defense team actually stated, "Can I get another uh, expert witness, please?" They were quickly denied that, and they weren't allowed to do that. Uh, and you got to keep that in mind on this one, because why would they do that? Because if they if they were able to get a second witness, then a uh, second expert witness, and that could actually prove. That uh, Stanley Tookie Williams wasn't there, that it wasn't his gun actually used, that it very well could be that these people are just trying to make him be a ball guy in some kind of way. Um, Throughout his whole life, whenever he was in prison, in his adult years, now granted, whenever he initially got there, he was very much about the crip lifestyle set. In fact, he was often known to say crip uh, crip lifestyle, um, which is interesting. And um, over a period of time, he decided that it was very destructive and he didn't like the direction that it was going. So he decided to go against that and he started writing books and he started sending messages of peace and how they need to get past that and they need to become a community again. Um, However, again, I found it interesting earlier in the case whenever they said, hey, you know, I mean, Um, how did they put it? Oh, because he wouldn't become a snitch, he hasn't reformed. And that's something else uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger also said in his statement, you know. He won't turn against other gang members, so he's not truly reformed. So it's like the state of California was going to put a death sentence on him anyways, because even if he was let go and found innocent of all these charges, if he became a snitch, he's dead the minute he comes outside. So either way, the, gover- the government was trying to mess them up in this sense. Now, again, I'm not glorifying the criminal. I want to state that real quick. I've got some interesting emails from uh, different listeners. I'm not throwing names out there. Uh, I'm not a supporter of any type of criminal, believe me. I believe in a legal, as a, as a parent, I believe in a legal lifestyle. I want to throw that out there too. Um my goal is to actually show light on both sides of the case. I want to show you light in how the criminal developed, what made him become the person that he did, and what led him up to doing the crimes. We also like to go over the court case to find out if, whether or not the inmate was actually was actually railroaded, or in fact, he was actually guilty. There's a lot of things that go into this show, so don't just go to the conclusion that we're supporting the criminal. I'm not supporting gang lifestyle. I'm not supporting the um, that whole thing. I don't want that to be the impression. I have to throw that out there real quick. But anyways, I'm not going to go into any more information than that. Uh, this has been Mike for Working Class Thoughts. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. And uh, peace, love, and vibes as always. Uh, very quickly, there will be another episode coming real soon. And in fact, the next episode is going to be on the founders of the blood. So I hope everybody enjoyed this one. I hope you actually learned about Stanley Tookie Williams, both the good and the bad from this. So I want to throw all that out there. And it's been Mike for Work Life Thoughts. Peace, love, and goodbyes. I look forward to hearing from you guys on the comment sections and uh, reshare this one. And uh, look forward to the next episode, which is going to be on the founder of the Bloods. After that episode is going to be on Albert Fish, which is an American notorious serial killer better known as the Brooklyn Vampire. Everybody have a great night.